I'd like to share some words from Scripture, again, dealing with Peter. This comes from Matthew chapter 4. They're the first words that Matthew tells us that Jesus spoke to Peter when he called him as the disciple. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. You're friends of Jesus. Of all the disciples, he wore the captain's armband. Peter, I mean. Everything in the Gospels that describe Peter describe basically his leadership abilities. It's his nature, his personality. Everything about him exuded confidence. Sometimes well-placed confidence, sometimes perhaps not, but confidence nonetheless. So much has been said about Peter over the years. You've heard it. I've heard it. His strengths, his weaknesses. Sometimes it seems people want to beat up on Peter because, well, he did this and that. Don't count me among them. I don't want to beat up on Peter. I look at the things that he did, even when they seem to be misplaced and think, could I have lined up with him? And yet, when we talk about Peter, we're just going to take a quick run through. You know, to talk about Peter, it would take hours. And rest assured, we're not going to do that. But I think some of the most important words are those very first words that Jesus spoke to Peter and his brother Andrew. When he said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. What does Jesus do? It's almost like in a classroom setting. He's stating the objective, the goal. This is what we are going to accomplish. And so as we follow through and look at the life of Peter, I think it's really important to keep the goal, the objective, keep these words in the forefront. I will make you fishers of men. Now, Peter had the raw talent. I mean, it was there, but God had to develop it. He said, I will make. It's kind of like in sports. You've probably known people that had raw talent. But then they thought maybe they were just too good. And they made the mistake of simply not trying to discipline and develop and refine that raw talent. And it just never seems to go anywhere because, well, raw is just that. Raw. Uncooked. It's like, like so many things we need to go through. I guess now we could call it the crock pot of life. We used to call it the pressure cooker. But whatever it is. And Peter had the raw talent. By the way, folks, we're going to sort of fast forward because that's part of our lesson for ourselves. Every one of you too has that talent. Raw talent and in our lives, perhaps, in many cases, the Lord has been cooking and has been developing. But we all start out with raw talent. Too often we look at others and say, gee, I wish I could do that. I wish I had that talent. I wish I... And it's always wishing we could be like someone else. But God made you, you. And he was delighted. He was delighted that he made you you. He gave you your personality, not Peter's. 
We don't need a whole lot of Peter's personalities. We need yours. And that's what God gave you. And the talents that God gave you are unique. And he gave them to you. Because he thought you would be the best ones to develop them. Now, let's, let's take a look at Peter. You know, all of his life, he was spent training. Jesus was developing, was refining him. Peter had the desire. We see that from the very beginning. He followed Jesus. But he was being defined, refined. He was being disciplined. But in all of this, Jesus was making Peter a fisher of men. Just a few of the things that we find out about Peter. How about this one? He walked on water. Remember Jesus walked out there and Peter said, Lord, if it's you, invite me out. Jesus said, eh, okay, come on. And Peter probably said, rats, that was the wrong thing to say. But he got out of the boat and he walked. Would you have done that? Would you have gotten out and walked, taken a step on the way? I don't think I could have. Peter did. And he walked until he wavered and saw the waves and the wind destroyed. And then he started to sink. But he walked on water. And then that great one that we heard, uh, read a little bit earlier, when Jesus sort of was looking at the poll. Everybody's looking at the polls these days, aren't they? You know, How are we doing? Where are the points? And Jesus sort of asked the disciples, well, what are they saying about me? And they said, some say you're one of the prophets. Some say you're John the Baptist. I'll bet they scratch their heads on that. It's like, wait a minute. We saw John the Baptist and you side by side. How could, but it's what they're saying. And then Jesus said, okay, enough of them. What about you? Just as he says it to us. What about you? Don't worry about what other people are saying about me. They could all be wrong. What about you? And what does Peter say? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Christ, the Messiah. You are the one prophesied way back at the beginning of Genesis that was going to come and be the savior of the world. That's a great declaration of faith. Peter understood it. Then how can he kept making these little mistakes in his life? Can you identify with that? I mean, we understand, especially if we've come through confirmation and we've, we've grasped some of those great truths of the Christian faith. And yet in our daily lives, we still stumble. We grasp. We fall. And thank the Lord, we have a great antidote to that. It's called the forgiveness of sin. Where God forgives us. The devil tries to whisper in our ear and say, okay, now you got to make up for it. Now you got to do something. Now you got to earn your way back. And God says, no. Forgiven. You know, one of my favorite verses comes from the book of Romans 8 verse 1, where St. Paul says this, so there is now no condemnation for those in Jesus Christ. Christ. I want you to think about that. No condemnation for those in Jesus Christ. No condemnation. We think, well, yeah, but I, I, I said this, I did this, I, I have to confess it. Yes, and the Bible encourages us to confess our sins, but at the same time, we are in a covenant relationship with God, a relationship in which our sins are covered by the sacrifice of Jesus. We are forgiven. There's no hurry up and make up for it. Earn your way back. No. That's the devil whispering. You are forgiven when you fail, when you fall. Forgiven. 
But let's go back to Peter. Peter gave this great, he understood so much, this great declaration. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And then right after that, Jesus started talking about his suffering and death. You know, I'm going to have to suffer. I'm going to die and I'm going to rise. And Peter says, oh, no way. It's not going to happen, Lord. We're going to be there for you. We're going to offend. And yet, Jesus came to die. That was the whole purpose Jesus came into this earth was to suffer, die, pay for sin so that God could forgive us and justice would still be served. See, Peter didn't understand all that. He simply thought he had to defend his Savior. That was part of the molding, the refining. God was making him a fisher of men. But there's more. How about the time that Peter whined? This is kind of a cool one. He comes to Jesus and says, Lord, how often do I have to forgive? Probably he was thinking these nincompoops, but how often do I have to forgive? And then he says, seven times seven, because that's what the rabbi said. You have to forgive seven times. On the eighth time, you can put it to him, but you got to forgive seven times. Remember what Jesus said? No, seven times seven. Not that he said we should try to figure it out, he says, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. It's unlimited. We say, yeah, but they keep doing it over and over again. And what Jesus is trying to say is, don't I? <laughs> don't you? Forgive. As a, but Peter whined about that. How often? And that's where Jesus lifted him up and said, remember how you have been forgiven. And then, well, there, there's so much of what Peter said, but... I think this next part is kind of like the test. This was like the exam because it was Passion Week. And Peter selected, or Jesus selected his three, Peter, James, and John, and had them come with him, apart from the other disciples, a little bit closer in Gethsemane while he went off and prayed. And what did Jesus say to them? Watch and pray. Stay awake and pray that you do not fall into temptation. And what happened? You know, they fell into temptation. But right after that, Judas comes leading this armed mob. And what does Peter do? Whips out his sword and starts swinging, one against the world. Would I have done that? Or would I have turned and been long gone? So before we judge Peter, he meant well. But God was leading him. See, I think, I think what it boils down is this way, is that Peter still, he was following Jesus, but there was a part of it, he was following Jesus on his own terms. Have we tried doing that? Follow Jesus on my terms? But you can't do that. No one can. He has to be followed on his terms. And we say, well, okay, I don't understand that. But remember, your God is patient. He is the one that is teaching us, refining us, bringing us along. He is making us fishers of men. Oh, we know the next one. Jesus and John, or Peter and John followed Jesus to the courtyard. I want to say that's pretty brave going into that arm of danger. And then, of course, we know about Peter denying Jesus three times. When they put it to him, you were with him. Whoa, whoa, I don't know the guy. And then it says he went out and wept bitterly. But by Sunday morning, he was back with the disciples. 
He was back. He was growing. He was learning. Well, in all of this, God is refining Peter, making him a fisher of men. But it doesn't stop with the Gospels. We go ahead to the book of Acts, and what do we have in Acts chapter 2? Pentecost. The Holy Spirit poured out, and now Peter is complete. And now we read Peter is leading the tree. He's preaching. He is healing. And here's the difference between us and Peter. You have the Holy Spirit from baptism. St. Paul tells us Romans that in baptism we are joined to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Everything Jesus did, everything Jesus earned is yours. That's that, that blessed gospel by believing, trusting in Jesus. But in baptism, his death, his burial belongs to you. He says, so that just as Jesus rose from the dead, we too might walk in the newness of life. It's ours, but we have that Holy Spirit growing in us. So, as God was refining Peter, God is refining you and me. We're sort of in that crockpot of life, cooking, refining, growing, maturing. So, what's the takeaway? Okay, let, let's sort of fast forward. What do we take away from this? What do we learn from Peter? I've got a bunch of things. Let's just boil it down to two things. What do we take away from Peter? First, how about the denial? We read about Jesus, but have we denied him? Sorry, bad question. How often do we deny our Jesus? Maybe not verbally, but in our attitudes, the way we treat other people, and the things that we do, and the things that we say in our lives. How often do we, we say we are following him, but we're doing it on our own terms, our denial. And what is it that we have? As we said, we are in Christ. And so we have, my friends, forgiveness. We don't have to make up for it. We don't have to do something. We don't have to earn our way back. We are immediately restored by our Lord Jesus. Forgiven. Now, as St. Paul talked about in Romans chapter 7, we should never, never use our weakness, use our sinfulness as an excuse for more sin. You know, remember what St. Paul said, we've died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Never an excuse. But this is simply the way God works. He wants you to have the assurance of forgiveness. When we deny like Peter, we are forgiven. We are immediately restored so that we can continue to walk with him and follow him. And the other takeaway, I, I like this one. Remember when Jesus said, stay awake and pray? Have you ever wondered the what if? What if the disciples had stayed awake and prayed? What if Jesus had come back to the disciples and you know, Peter's arm had been over John and he could have seen them praying and, and they would have been staying strong in the spirit? What if? But we will never know because it never happened. But that's where it's turned over to us. What if? I think of all the times that I should have been more alert. I should have been praying over something. And I allowed myself just to get busy and to forget. And there was no time to pray. And I rushed into things. And Jesus says, slow down. Stay awake and pray. Here he says that you do not fall into temptation. But we could take it even farther. 
Stay awake and pray. Pray to undergird all of our efforts. How about our efforts as a congregation, as a church? Pray for the pastoral team. Pray for all of our staff, all of our leaders. Pray for our teachers in that marvelous ministry you have in our school. Pray for our Stephen ministry. That, that's a dynamic ministry. Pray for our Stephen ministers. Pray for, pray for every one of you. Because so often, you're doing ministry. It's not like ministry that we get credit for in the church, but you're calling up somebody that is lonely. You're making a meal for somebody that's sick. You're simply reaching out and helping. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. And you know the temptation? The temptation here is to be a judge. The temptation is to treat people the way we think they ought to be treated. Have you ever done that? Treat people the way you think they should be treated or the way, you know, that we think they deserve. But that's the temptation. Now we have become judges. And quite frankly, folks, the position is filled. Instead, God asks us, treat people based on who you are, not who they are. Treat people based on who you are, the forgiven child of God. Let that be our takeaway from Peter. Treat them based on who you are, who God has made you. He is the one who is making us fishers of men. And stay awake, vigilant praying, praying for our ministries, praying for each other. Parents, praying for your children. Okay, I'm a grandparent, and I especially pray for those grandchildren. You know, I'm lifting them up. I want to see them in heaven. That's the most important thing. Yeah, I'll admit, I want to see a couple good soccer games too, but I want to see them in heaven. That's the most important thing for all eternity. Stay awake and pray. And my friends, as you stay awake and pray and stay in God's word, he will be making us into the fishers of of men that he wants us to be. And, and as I say, making us into, uh, please, don't, please don't take it that I'm saying that we're not because we're there. It's just that as long as we have life and breath, we're still developing upward and onward. My friends, my dear fishers of men, may God bless your growth, your efforts. May he keep us all awake. Amen. And may God's blessings always remain in us, in our heads, in our hearts. Amen.